Yo. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Autumn is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and wife who is obsessed with her husband and four crazy kids. She is also the CEO of the Autumn Miles Ministry, as well as a lipstick and lash enthusiast. Autumn's vision is to speak to the culture with bold truth and challenge you to act in raw faith. Here's Autumn Miles. Hey, it's Autumn with the Autumn Miles Show. How are you guys doing out there today? Welcome to the show today. It is going to be a doozy. Um, I want to say uh, this show really encouraged me and um, challenged me. Of course, all the shows do. Um, so uh, we are going to talk today about how do you make your decisions how do you make your decision? What is the process that you use in order to make your decisions? And more importantly, we're going to look closely at Pontius Pilate, and we are going to see how he made his decision to crucify Jesus. And um, let me just tell you this. I made a video on this um, not that long ago. And we got a lot of questions. We got a lot of preachers preaching at me. (laughs) I want to tell you this. Pontius Pilate had to make the decision that he did in order for Jesus to be crucified. Okay. I totally understand that. I know I have read all all of the accounts of Pilate um, in the scriptures and I have studied it. So I am not saying um, that Jesus's crucifixion could have been avoided. God would have not let that that happened. Okay. Jesus needed to be crucified for my sin and for your sin. This show is to challenge you. Okay. That is what it's about. There are some practical things that can be extracted from the, the process that Pilate used to make his decision to ultimately crucify Jesus. Okay. Um, let me just, that's that's like, before I get into my PSAs, I wanted to tell you that. Uh, but thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to get to all the goodness of the scripture here in just a second. Um, I am so excited to announce, I've already sort of announced it, but that my third book, Baby, will be released on July 16th of this year. I could not be more excited, thrilled, anxious, ready for this to happen. I just believe um, this book, Gangster Prayer, is going to be um, a wake-up call for our prayer lives. I, I know that it has challenged me so deeply. And still, even though I wrote the book, I do got, God uh, was speaking to me as I was writing the book. Um, it still challenges me every single day. As a matter of fact, yesterday, even though the book has been written, and it's been edited and all that kind of stuff, it's not released clearly quite yet. But um, I something that I felt like God gave me in the book challenged me yesterday. It's like one of those one of those books I, I am praying that encourages you and challenges you in the best way um, to get the results out of your prayer life, to realize what prayer is actually about. Um, it's not a fluffy book, y'all. It is very challenging. As a matter of fact, Cassie, who y'all know, well, if you don't know, her name is Cassie and she travels with me. She's in the studio right now. I actually, um, one of the things I wanted her to do was to finish the whole book. And she was telling me before we sort of go to press and, um, publicity and all that kind of stuff. 
And she was telling me, I have to read a chapter and then take a couple of days and let it sink in. Um, and that's the point of the book. It's not super fluffy. It's not going to make you feel good. It's really going to challenge you because um, I think I think the season is now for us to be challenged in our prayer lives. And I know that God asked me to write this book. So should be interesting. Comes out July 16th. I'm really excited about it. Um, you can get it. You can actually think you can pre-order it right now. Actually, I think you can pre-order it right now. We would love for you to do that. Um, would be such an honor for you to purchase a book. Um, we're also going to be talking a lot about the book in July and really um, letting you guys know what you can expect when you read the book. How can you grow in prayer and all of those sorts of things? I want to get to my topic today. How do you make your decisions? Okay. When going in, in this life of ministry, you know, growing up in the church, watching my dad, uh, be pastor, our church and, um, watching them make decisions based on our family and then having a family of my own and even, even little decisions, uh, that I made before, like marrying my first husband was a decision I didn't really make very wisely. Um, having to go through a divorce and, um, deciding once and for all, I am going to live my life for Christ. I am just, I'm going to follow the plans of the scripture. I'm going to follow exactly what Jesus said, finding my husband, having our kids, adopting, um, starting the ministry, all that kind of stuff. So many decisions make up my life. Okay. And so many decisions make up your life. Where you are now, exactly where you are now, is a result of thousands and thousands and thousands of big decisions and small decisions that you have made up until this point. So your life is based on either someone else's decisions or your own. This whole idea of making decisions wisely is something that can tear our lives apart one decision can tear your life apart. Now, is God's grace there? Absolutely, okay? Is he greater than our foolishness? Absolutely, he is, okay? But I want to really challenge you as to how you are making your decisions. We hear from you guys, to, and I do mean 24-7. I'll look at in my inbox and I'll have like an email from 2.30 in the morning that someone's watched a video or heard a show or something like that. And they're, they're, they're saying, hey, I got I to gotta talk to you about this right now. Um, I've made a lot of bad decisions. How do I get out? So this show, I, I believe, is, is incredibly um, relevant. How you make decisions matters, okay? Um, I, I want to use Pontius Pilate as sort of an example of how not to make decisions, okay? Um, let me read about him in Luke 23. Now, he is in, I mean, he's, he's, all, he's, in, all, he's in the Gospels, y'all. If you want to read about Pontius Pilate, get in the Gospels. He is there. Um, some of the Gospels will give you a little bit more dialogue than Luke gives us. But I, for, for the purposes of this show, I wanted to use Luke as my um, text because it, it, it just kind of it proves my point. Now, all, all of the Gospels will say the same thing, but there's just a little bit more dialogue in some of the other Gospels. Luke 23, 13 through 25 says this, and I'm going to read this all to you. Pilate 
summoned. Now, this is after Jesus is arrested. Okay. Pilate summoned the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, you have brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. And behold, having examined him before you, I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. Hang with me. No, nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us. He had seen Herod. And behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. Therefore, this is what I'm going to do, guys. I'm going to punish him and release him. Now, verse 17, Luke 23, 17, he was obligated to release them at the feast, one prisoner, verse 18. But they cried out all together, saying, away with this man and release for us Barabbas. He was one who had been thrown into the prison for an insurrection made in the city and for murder. Pilate, listen to this verse, wanting to release Jesus, address them again. But they kept calling out, saying, crucify him, crucify him. And he said to them a third time, why? What evil has this man done to you? I have found in him no guilt demanding death. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. But they were insistent with loud voices asking that he be crucified. And their voices began to prevail. And Pilate pronounced sentence that their demand be granted. And he released the man they were asking for who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, but he delivered Jesus to their will. I read, I read the Easter story every single year in the Christmas story, just so you know. Um, And I, I just, I study it from a different angle. And for some reason this year, um, Pilot really stuck out to me. Maybe it's because I'm in the middle of making a lot of decisions for my future. Um, and the way that Pilot made this decision to crucify Jesus was very clear. Um, in one of the other gospels, it talks about how uh, Pilate looks at Jesus and he says, do you not know that I have the power um, to sentence you to death? And Jesus looks right back at him and says, you don't got no power that my father didn't give you. But he was in a place of power to make a decision whether or not to crucify the son of God. He did not make that decision by himself because if he would have done what he was feeling, especially after examining him, um, after after looking at the evidence that was that was handed to him in verse 20, 23, Luke 23, 20, it says this Pilate wanting to release Jesus, address them again. If the crowd was not a, a thing, if they were not involved in this decision making process, Pilate would not have crucified Jesus. Now, for all of you that are just tuning in that think that I'm talking heresy, I'm challenging you on decision making. I do know for a fact that Jesus had to be crucified and it was God that was 
operating and ordering this sentence, okay? I'm simply wanting to challenge you as to how you make decisions in your life. So here Pilate is, he's looking at Jesus. He's saying, this man is innocent. He does not want to put him to death. But what does he do? He takes it to the crowd three separate times. And in verse 23, Luke 23, 23, but they were insistent with loud voices, asking that he be crucified. And their voices began to prevail. And that's where I want to stop. I want to challenge you here just for a second about what do you do when there is a huge fork in the road in your life? Do I buy that house? Do I not? Do I marry this person? Do I not? Do I, you know, move? Do I not? Do I stop doing this? Do I not? What process do you go through? Because this is what Pilate does is actually what most people do when they're trying to make a decision. He, 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 here he is presented with a decision to be made, crucify Jesus or, or, or don't crucify Jesus. He's, he's presented with the, uh, the, the issue and he has to make a decision. He has to make a decision pretty quick. Um, the process that he goes to is he believes that Jesus is innocent, but he seeks the crowd. And I think that this is exactly what most people do when they are faced with a fork in the road. They know what they should do, but this is what they do. They pick up the phone. They call their mama, who we love our mamas. They're so wise. They're so wonderful. They're so whatever. Okay. We get our mama's opinion. Then we pick up the phone and we call um, or text because people don't pick up the phone and call anymore. They pick up the phone and text. We send out a group message to maybe our small group. Hey, guys, should I do this or should I not? And then you're faced with 12 different opinions on whether you should do something or whether you shouldn't. Um, then maybe we ask one of our kids if they're adults and they sort of know what's going on. Then maybe we go to our pastor and we say, hey, pastor, this is something. What do you think? Uh, what, what do you think I should do in this situation? And we start gathering all of these different opinions opinions from the crowd. And odds are a lot of times you already know what you are supposed to do. When we went to adopt, you know, one of the things I I do believe, um, we knew that we were going to adopt. We 100% knew that we were going to adopt. I believe God had put that mandate on my life when I was 18 years old. But it was very interesting, sort of the response that we got from the crowd when we actually went to the adoption agency got the paperwork, filled it out, and sent it. Um, not everyone was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, go adopt. This is the time. Let's do it." A lot of people said, "Don't you? Don't you think you should wait? You have two kids. Do you really need to adopt? Are you sure? Do you know what it?" And there was it was weird. The people that we thought would certainly support our decision had a lot of questions about our decision and had a lot of different opinions about our decision. That made us step back and say, "Okay, what are we doing here?" Did God really say this? Is this actually what we should do? Or should we lean into some of these opinions and maybe change our decision, maybe on the timing of it? Should we wait a little bit longer? Um, Should our our biological kids be a little bit older? Um, The crowd started to sway us. I was just talking to my sister-in-law on the phone on the way here, and my my brother was in a horrific accident um, in July of last year. And um, she said, she, she works for me. She's 
she's she's on our staff. Um, and she said, when I was listening to this and, and sort of drafting this um, outline for the show, all I could think about was was the opinions of the crowd after David's surgery, which is my brother's name. Here my brother goes. He gets in this terrible surgery. He has all basically the entire right side of his body is completely crushed, broke his leg. He broke several of his um, ribs, broke his collarbone. He has such severe um, nerve damage in his arm um, that he was actually told at one point the nerves were completely severed and there is nothing that they can do for his arm and he's going to be paralyzed for the rest of his life. That's sort of what they were dealt, okay? That's sort of the situation they were dealt. Well, well from that, there a lot of decisions have to be made. Um, what kind of medical... Um, uh, what kind of medical care do we seek? What doctors do we go to? They wanted, should we go to the Mayo Clinic? Should we not? Should we stay here in Columbus, which is where they're based? Um, what should we do? And Amanda was telling me every decision that they made, they had a lot of crowd that was basically confusing them, telling them, do this, do that, do this, do that. She said one one specific um, scenario. Uh, my my brother, he's a guitarist, and so it was incredibly devastating to hear that he had horrible nerve da- damage in the right side of his arm. Um, he went to a specialist that specialized, and I believe it's called brachial plexus injuries. And the specialist, which is like one of five or six in the nation that specialize in this nerve, um, this particular nerve damage, looked at his arm and said, I'm not going to operate. Well, of course, all of us were like, no, operate. Get the operation done. If it's going to help your chances of being able to play guitar again, get the operation, get the operation. But every time they went to this doctor, this specialist, he would say, say, um, no, I'm not going to do the surgery. I'm not going to get it done. If they would have listened to the crowd, they might have damaged David's arm even further to a point where he wouldn't be able to play. And even more than that, God is healing David's arm without any surgery whatsoever. So if they would have listened to the crowd, the surgery would have got a credit. But because they listened to what they knew that God was telling them to do through the medical care that they chose, God is getting all the credit because God is healing his arm without any type of medical procedure. Do you see what I'm saying here? When we have a decision to make, when we listen to the crowd too much, seeking wisdom is one thing, okay? But when you seek wisdom after, after, after you've sought the Lord, it should agree with what God is telling you. True wisdom does not disagree with something that the Spirit of God has already told you. It's your job to listen to the Spirit of God, to be um, engaged with Him enough to be able to say, okay, God, I know that this is the direction that you're asking me to take. So when you do um, uh, consult the crowd or consult what you think is wisdom, um, you will hear and listen and agree agree with those that do agree with God is telling you, and you can silence those that don't. This is not what Pilate did. He knew that Jesus was innocent. He knew that he wasn't um, guilty of the charges that they had brought against him. But when he went to the crowd, even though he knew what he should have done, the crowd prevailed and Jesus was crucified. The crowd prevailed. The crowd prevailed. Because their screams were louder than what he knew was right inside of him. Now, if you're just joining me, let me tell you this. Pilate had to make this decision so the crucifixion would happen. Please do not email me. I know exactly what I'm saying here. I am challenging you on how 
you are making your decisions. Are you listening too much to the crowd or are you actually listening to what you know is right, what God has told you, um, and you're making your decisions based on that? In pilot situation, the crowd is what prevailed. The crowd. And I wonder in your life today, as you're staring at something that may be uh, a significant move in your life, and maybe you do need to seek a lot of wisdom, maybe you just absolutely don't know what to do, then it's not time to make a decision. One of the greatest things that uh, my my uh, father has always always told me, if you don't know, don't do it. There are some times where you need to sit You need to sit in God's presence. You need to get in his word and seek his word first. You need to silence every single voice because uh, uh, even one voice can lead you astray. You need to ask the spirit of God, what exactly do we need to do in this, 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 this situation? And if you don't know, you don't do it. You wait. You wait until the spirit of God and the word of God is in alignment. And then you go out and you say, listen, this is what I believe God's telling me. What you think about that. And that's when you seek um, wisdom, not people that would just have an opinion just to hear themselves talk, but people that are also in line, in tune with the spirit of God and say, this is what God is telling me. What wisdom can you offer me when making this decision? But get alone with the Lord first. That should be the foundation of every single decision that you make so that when you make the decision and things are rough and things are difficult and things don't seem to make sense and things seem to be falling apart, even though you know God led you to make this decision, you can fall back on the word of God that backed that decision in the first place. We seek the crowd too much. I am very aware of the scripture in Proverbs that says in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. But those counselors mean people that are wisdom, that are versed in the scripture, that are versed in the spirit of God. I understand there's safety in counselors. But who are your counselors? Pilate's counselors was an angry mob, an angry crowd that was telling him to do the very opposite of what he knew was the right Thing to do, and the angry, immature crowd prevailed. Who are your counselors? I believe, with without a shadow of a doubt, that those of you that are facing uh, big decisions, even small decisions today, um, need the wisdom from the Scripture in order to make it correctly. When I uh, totally screwed up my life and my life went in complete flames and everything, I I didn't know which way was up. I had, I I lost everyone. I literally sat by myself with my mom and my dad. It was like the day I was born. I had nobody but my parents. Um, I remember crying out to the Lord and said, my own decisions have got me in this place. So from now on, I am going to make decisions where I have scriptural confirmation for them that is backed up by the spirit of God that is supported by wise counsel. And I began to rebuild the rubble of my life. I began to rebuild it based on scriptures that were bathed in prayer, 
bathed in wisdom from godly counselors, not an angry mob, godly counselors based, based on the wisdom of the spirit of God that I felt like he was speaking to me. No longer did I give a voice to those that just wanted to hear themselves talk. I didn't even call them for advice anymore. Okay. Cause that's kind of what got me in, um, uh, the, the, the state I was in, in the first place was listening too much to them and not enough to him. I want to tell you right now, you have one life. And if your life looks like it just, there was a bomb that just went off in it. It's not over. You can just like I did, rebuild your life. Take the rubble. Take those pieces of rubble. Because rubble will build a wall. Take those pieces of rubble and start placing them on top. One decision at a time. Um, um, totally grounded in prayer, grounded in the word of God, listening to the spirit of God, submit, humbly submitting to what those things tell you and operate accordingly. You don't have to have those days any longer where you make a decision and you're like, oops, you can actually start building your life back up until you are, oh my goodness, um, a wonderful structure that gives glory alone to God. You can't do that. I was, um, like I said, very challenged by this, this one little piece of the, of course the crucifixion story. I mean, oh my goodness, I, I, I could talk to you about it for years. Um, but this one little piece stuck out to me because I feel like how we make decisions, um, is, is an issue, is an issue and it affects us more more than we think. Of course, like I said, God's grace is there. Um, but I just felt like I needed to do something to really challenge you. How are you making them? And I hope this encouraged you today. Thanks for listening. You can catch me right back here tomorrow on The Autumn Mile Show. The Autumn Mile Show is listener supported and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And if you make a donation of $100 or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month. This program is underwritten by Mary Maids of Fort Worth. Your future starts now. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.